0: Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled The Good Life Grounded in Generosity and is based on 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 1 through 9. It was delivered on Sunday, july seventeenth, 2022 by Pastor Stephen D. Pierce. We turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is page 942 in the Pew Bible. The collection for Christians at Jerusalem. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Now it is not necessary for me to write you about the ministry to the saints. For I know your eagerness, which is the subject of my boasting about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you may not prove to have been empty in this case, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you in this undertaking. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for this bountiful gift that you have promised so that it may be ready as a voluntary gift and not as an extortion. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, He scatters abroad, He gives to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And if I may add these two verses. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. And verse 12. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. The word of the Lord. We're spending some time during the month of July talking about the good life. What it is and what it isn't. As we've talked about the last two Sundays, the good life isn't about wealth or happiness, really. It's not about accumulating more. It's not about your good looks. It's not about investing in the things that will fade away, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. The good life is found within. And it is lived within the bounds of God's great goodness. It's also a life grounded in the promises of the gospel, the good news, the best news that humanity has ever heard or received about Jesus. A life lived with purpose, where we as Christians try to find out where God is already at work and how the Spirit is leading us into those places. Last Sunday we talked about empathy, something we all need a little bit more of, right? Empathy is the ability to feel with someone. It's the ability to be able to see life through their eyes, to experience what they experience, to care, to be concerned. And this is a component of the good life as we look to Jesus who who wept over and with those who suffered who rejoiced with those who experienced healings from God, but also the same Jesus who entered broken humanity as one of us and redeemed it. That kind of empathy. And we also talked about forgiveness, which is so difficult, especially for those who hurt us or disappoint us. Forgiveness is really that, that practice of learning how to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. That's forgiveness. And that is, not the, that is not always an easy thing to do. But empathy and forgiveness are both keys to happiness, to inner peace, to living the good life. And that brings us to generosity. Um, and we're really, we're, we're looking at a unique passage here. A passage where the Apostle Paul sounds forth the call to alms. For both the early church and for us. And we'll get to that in just a second. But what is generosity? I mean, how would you define it when you think about that word? What is generosity? What does it look like? I think generosity, in its truest sense, is to put life in proper perspective. We came into this world with empty hands. We will leave it in the same manner. We know that because all that we have belongs to our great and awesome God who loans it to us to use in this life as good stewards so whether you're a millionaire or you're someone who's just you know scraping by to paycheck to paycheck you use the gifts that you have as a good steward the way God would have you use those gifts the good life that's grounded in generosity doesn't lose perspective of this truth Rather, it's embraced. And here's the thing. Studies have shown, and I don't know how they conduct these studies, but I find these so fascinating. Not only does generosity reduce stress, support one's physical health, enhance one's sense of purpose, and naturally fight off depression, studies reveal that it increases one's lifespan. So the more generous you are, The longer you may live. Do you believe that? (laughs) One on the whole there, the philanthropy is not a major virtue of our consumer-driven society. We can acknowledge that. I say that even in last year, Americans gave $485 billion to charities. That's a lot of money, but it's just a drop in the bucket compared to what we spend on other things, including ourselves. What is the major virtue? accumulation we accumulate we accumulate we accumulate more and more so much so that we have to buy bigger cars bigger houses and on and on it goes Andrew Carnegie the father of modern philanthropy once said this he said to try to make the world in some way better than you found it is to have a noble motive in life Andrew Carnegie died in 1919 and he was among the wealthiest and most famous industrialists of his, of his time. And through the Carnegie Corporation of New York, which he established in 1911, his fortune has since supported the discovery of insulin, dismantling nuclear weapons. It has uh, created Pell Grants and Sesame Street. Millions and millions of people have benefited from Carnegie's 4 generosity, a legacy of real and permanent good. But that's generosity on a large scale. There are other ways to be generous that don't require giving away millions of dollars or even one cent. In a recent post, author Alexandra Franzen talks about behaving generously. So this would be being generous with your patients. Generous with your words. Generous with your time. She writes this, You can share knowledge freely instead of hoarding it. You can send a handwritten note instead of a text message. You can make eye contact instead of checking out. You can make a life-changing introduction for a friend instead of letting them connect the dots on their own. You can do big things. You can do small things. You can do simple things. You can do All kinds of things. When I think of generosity, I think of many of you. Um, I think of central. Now, not everything here is perfect. We know we've got problems and we've got challenges to overcome in the days ahead. But I think of some of you here in this sanctuary, some of you worshiping online. You've been so generous with your words, with your counsel, with your presence. You've been generous with your money. You have helped to give to other mission groups that are out there, even our own missionaries, to Japan and in Dulce, New Mexico, and many, many, many other places. We have been generous together. But some of you take your generosity to the next level. You go the extra mile when you put your arm around someone and you say, hey, I'm here for you. When you go up to someone who just said something really ridiculous at second hour, and instead of writing them off, you go up and say, hey, I'm not really sure what you meant by that comment, but I'd like to sit with you over coffee to try to get to the bottom of what you said. That kind of generosity. It's good. It's healthy. This brings us to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which continues an appeal begun earlier in the letter. I just love these stories. What they remind me of is nothing's changed at all in the church. It's just history repeating itself over and over again. The apostle here is collecting a love offering for the mother church in Jerusalem. The same church that commissioned missionaries like Paul and Silas to go out and and share good news all over the Mediterranean world is now a church that finds itself in financial hardship, is struggling, and the brothers and sisters who live in Jerusalem are struggling with their future. Where they go next? The newly established church plants are growing and they're thriving and now the original church needs assistance. The apostle, knowing the situation in Jerusalem is critical, turns to these churches in Southeast Europe and tells them, hey, it is now your turn to help. We need you. He wants them to make good on their promise to contribute to the needs of those brothers and sisters they haven't even met yet. He's also concerned their earlier enthusiasm might have waned. But he also knows the Corinthian church, and he knows just how generous they have been and can be. He has experienced their generosity firsthand. But he also knows that they have a reputation to uphold, arguing that everyone should give what he or she previously decided to give and to do so willingly and cheerfully. And the Greek word he uses here suggests Christians are hilarious over the prospect of giving, of giving their time, their talents, and their treasure. Hilarious. As we share from our bounty, our many blessings, our indescribable gifts, not the least of which is our salvation in Christ Jesus. So he's going to hold them to this promise that they made to give since they were one of the early churches who said, let's do this. We need to participate in this ministry of giving. And the apostles boasting about the alacrity of the churches in this region of Achaia, and it included Corinth, but it motivated the surrounding churches, especially those of Macedonia, to participate. And it turns out, the Macedonian Christians had given to the collection well beyond the apostles' expectations. For the Corinthians to have lost their eagerness to give would be an embarrassment to everyone involved if other Christians were to arrive from Macedonia only to find the Corinthians unprepared to donate. To avoid that, the apostle sends Titus ahead of them to make sure none of that happens. As I said, nothing's new in the church world. This is just history repeating itself. But if I'm reading the story correctly, And I believe they did make good on their promise. Thank God the mother church in Jerusalem survived and thrived later. What I'm reading here is that Christian giving matters both for the giver and for the work of God. It's it's not just about money. We want to make it about money. But it isn't always about raising funds to fix problems. Christian giving is about the heart of the giver. And brings spiritual gains that go far beyond the physical needs that are being met. The point of giving more is not to gain more in return but to be a greater blessing to others. So if you write a check for hundred dollars and you put it in the offering plate, maybe that's a stretch for you. Maybe you're going above and beyond today or maybe it's more or maybe that amount needs to be less because of where you are whatever the amount is think of that amount going to the purposes of God where you've stretched yourself to be a blessing to others in great and glorious ways. Giving generously also attunes us to the will of God spiritually enabling us to be even more generous in the future. And I do believe that it's contagious. It can be. And this is the good life. The good life is rooted in generosity. As Christians, we believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, who didn't hold back anything but gave himself freely for us. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul writes, Though he, Jesus, was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. The good life honors God with all that we have, trusting in God's abundance. Since God did not hold back when he gave his son to die on a cross for our sins, why would we want to hold back anything when it comes to our service to the church? Ask yourself, when was the last time you gave generously? Was it your time? Was it your gifts on a committee? Was it a check that you wrote? When was the last time you gave without counting the cost? The last time you behaved with extravagant, irrational generosity? Those of us who are cheerful givers are cheerful because we know that there's a law of abundance at work in this world. And we know that God is bountiful and giving. We're generous because God has first been generous with us. And we've learned that the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. In other words, before we can experience a blessing, we need to be willing to bless others. An old prospector was out and about looking for gold and he was thirsty. And he wanted a drink, and he couldn't find water anywhere until he came upon an old pump. And there was this rusty old pump, and he started to pump this thing, and nothing happened. He pumped it some more. Still nothing flowed. And then he noticed out of the corner of his eye there was a little brown jug with a penciled note attached to it. So he opened the note, and the note said, You have to pour the water in this jug into the pump to prime it. And at first the thirsty man questioned this. Well, what if the writer of this note is mistaken? What if the pump no longer even works? Should I give up the water in the jug only for a promise for more water to come? They decided to follow the directions. He used a little bit of water in this pump. And sure enough, He was able to prime it and he obtained satisfying, cold, refreshing, flowing water from this pump. And Before going his way, he filled the jug with water so that the next thirsty person could secure water. And he added to the note, and this is all he said, Believe me, it really works. You have to give in order to receive. This is the good life and it's grounded in generosity it's the life that doesn't forget to do good and share with others for as the author of hebrews says for with such sacrifices god is most pleased and that is good let's pray Our gracious God, we do give you thanks for this day and for these readings where we consider what generosity looks like in our own lives and through the lives of other believers. We want to place our lives in proper perspective with you, remembering that we came into this world with empty hands and we will leave it the same way. That all we have belongs to you. That everything, everything that we have is on loan to us to use as good stewards. May we never lose sight of this truth. But in ways, we ask that you would bless us that we might be A blessing to others through our time talents and our treasures we want to experience more of the good life a life that's grounded in the gospel just as you have been generous with us may we be generous with others for we ask this in the matchless name of Jesus who is the Christ And all God's people say, amen. New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.